Welcome to the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the birders that pursue them. This is episode 33, and today's guest is the co-founder of Expedition Birding, John Kinghorn. This is a really cool episode where we chat about a whole range of topics, from the use of callback to young birders, bird clubs, to hiding bald spots, and a whole lot more. Be sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And please take some time to rate and comment on it. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Birdlasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is not just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously, where to find amazing birds. Head on over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com, and be sure to sign up to our newsletter. Before we hear from John, I just want to give a shout out to two of our listeners. Darren Johnson is a birder from Pretoria and Gauteng who listens to the podcast on the drive to work. And secondly, Hugo Voigts from Paddock on the KwaZulu-Natal South Coast, who has been a faithful supporter right from the beginning. He had a recent back operation and has been spending time listening to the episodes while he recovers. We are praying for a speedy recovery, Hugo. Thanks, Darren and Hugo, for taking the time to listen. Your support means a lot. Please shoot us a message on either Facebook or Instagram or drop us an email and let us know where you are listening from. So now, without further ado, Let's dig into the interview with John. So, John, um, second time on the show. Um, you're up there with an illustrious um, group of guests like Melissa, um, House Whitecross, and a whole lot of other guys. Welcome to the second edition of the John King on show. I just thought about it. I said to you a while ago, it's kind of funny. We've had you and we've had Tony on the show. Uh, this is kind of like becoming a bit of a soap a soap opera now. We kind of get a bit about both your lives and we, we got Tony's side. Tonight we'll hear a bit about your side. So welcome to the show, John. No, thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's humbling as always to have the opportunity to chat about birds and birding with fellow like-minded people. And uh, it's been amazing watching how the Birding Life podcast has grown since my initial interview with you. And uh, it's been brilliant. I've been listening to every single episode when I've got time, and I think it's fantastic and it's exciting to see uh, how many people have come onto the show. And it's just been fantastic hearing about everybody's different stories and birding experiences. So, no, humbling opportunity, to say the least, to have had uh, another opportunity to be back here. Uh, John, you know the weird thing is, I just want to say, I've never told you this, but you were probably one of the first birders that I actually looked up to because when I first started birding, that was, you were, I, I, if I remember correctly, you were either in the middle of your big year or you had just been, done your big year. So you're one of the first birders that I was kind of like doing a bit of um, internet stalking and trying to find out a bit about your story. So, you know, getting to chat to you all these years later is like a huge privilege. And I think the cool part is, is we've, I've got to know you over the years and, yeah, you're just a genuine, like, let me say this for the American listeners, you're a genuine oak. It's pretty cool. <laughs> no, thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. That's some very, very kind words there. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I just, I do what I do. And the fact that some people can, that that resonates with some people is is heartwarming. And that's all I want. Um, you know, if it means that 
that some people are able to look up to me and admire what we do and how we bird and stuff like that, then that's that's just fantastic. And I'm so glad that uh, that yeah, like I said, people can resonate with that. So yeah, it's been it's been fantastic uh, getting to know you, Adam, and it's brilliant seeing how your birding has developed um, since you started birding as well. Um, it's it's crazy how your photography's developed. It's become absolutely incredible. Definitely one of the birding photographers that I'm I admire. So yeah, not that I can call myself a photographer, but uh, yeah, definitely um, have enjoyed seeing how you've grown into this fantastic lifestyle. I wouldn't even call it a hobby. It's more of a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah, awesome, John. I really appreciate. But let's let's go right back to the beginning. Um, I can't remember the year you did it. Which year did you do your big year? Do you remember? So I did it. <laughs> Listen, I'm getting old now. <laughs> the grey hairs are going to start coming in the beard soon. <laughs> you laugh. You let's let's not joke about that because uh, it started. The balls, the bald spot was on the crown was the first step. Keep, keep, the, keep, keep the, the cap on. on. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you if you see pictures of me wearing caps, nine times out of ten, it's become trying to cover up the the bright rays of sun deflecting off the the, the crown of my head. Um, no, listen, my big year was in 2014, so yeah, quite a while ago, but yeah, feels like yesterday. Can I, can I just say, if, if there ever is a movie done of the big year, your big year, Jack Black is a perfect fit for you, I just want to say. No, I think I must relate to that as well, because besides the physical stature, um, <laughs> I definitely think I can, I can relate to the character that Jack Black played. Um, I know the dude personally as well. Um, who Jack Black portrayed and what a solid guy, such an incredible guy as well. Hopefully he'll end up listening to this podcast. Um, but I think, as an Adam, that, that movie, The Big Year, the amount of times I have watched it is scary. Like I've actually lost count, um, but it's an absolutely incredible movie and it just gets me so pumped. Like I want to, I flip and want to, I watched it, first of all, I watched it the night before my Big Year. So I flip for New Year's Eve, I was sitting watching The Big Year. Um, and yes, I was pumped. And then January one came, and no matter when or where or how I watch the movie, it always gets me pumped. Like if the credits come up, and I'm like, okay, let's go, <laughs> let's go birdie. Let's see what we can find. So going back to your big year, um, one thing I know about your big year. I mean, you you were doing radio interviews. You were like a celeb. And the cool part about it was it was actually bringing exposure to the world of birding. So I said to you, I was a new birder, and honestly. You're a lot younger than I than than I am, but I really I really looked up to you. Look up to your story. Your story is amazing, and you know I try to learn as much as I could about you. And and obviously for a lot of newer birders, they would have put you probably put you on a little bit of a pedestal. But I know the world of birding can be difficult, and there are some more mature birders who maybe would have just said, "Yes, this guy's just after a tick," and almost written you off as a bit of a shallow birder. And I can imagine there was criticism criticism from that side of things where you know people don't get what you're all about in that. You know, the thing that fascinates me, John, is that you've grown past the big year. You've you've moved on. You know, how would you say that you've you've moved past the stigmas, both the the pedestal that people put you on, and maybe the criticism that that other people um, had of you for doing a big year. How have you moved beyond that, where you've become the person that you are today? So yeah, I mean, it's you, you raised some valid points there, Adam. And um, you know, the bottom line is, is I did a big year for myself. Okay, I didn't do it for the popularity, for any kind of celebrity status, nothing like that. And I must be honest, it, you know, during the year. Obviously, there was a lot of interest around this youngster busy doing a big year. And when I ended up getting 800 for the year and I broke the record, you know, obviously a lot of people 
sort of knew me because of it. Like you said, I had a lot of radio interviews and there were a lot of um, articles and that that were written and stuff like that. And it was fantastic. But that was never, never, never the aim for me. And um, if there's one thing that scares me to the max is, uh, is any kind of stardom or fandom. I absolutely, I don't want to say I hate it. I just, yo, it's, it's, it's so not me. I, I really try my best to remain humble. And yeah, I mean, when people start putting me up on a, on a, on some kind of pedestal, if you if, if there are even people that have that are out there that have done that, uh, I start to cringe because that's that's not me. I'm just I'm just wanting to share with share my passion with people, uh, share my passion for birds with people, um, for conservation with people, and that's why I did a big year. I did it for the birds. You know, I did it to grow myself, to teach myself life lessons, to put myself under stress and conditions I wouldn't normally have done so. Um, it was a learning experience for me to grow as an individual. And if people are able to relate to that and that same message can resonate with them as individuals, then that's fantastic. And if it means that, like I said to you earlier, if it means that people can then look up to me, then that's brilliant. That's, that's, that's fine. But I've tried to, I've certainly not tried to, um, in any kind of, any situations where people have put me up on said pedestal, um, I've tried to look past that and uh, you're right. People look at you as the big year guy, essentially, once you complete your big year. And um, it's important to use that sort of as, as a stepping stone. So after my big year, I sat, I sat back and I said, okay, well, what, what, what now? Because I don't want to just be the big year guy and then, um, you know, lose this fantastic momentum. So I sat down and, and that's where I ended up joining um, one of the world's pop, most popular and well-known bird tour companies, which I then worked for for an extended period of time, I think about five years. And uh, that then, I used that as a, another experience. So the big year was a learning experience for me. I finished it and that's what it was. A challenge was a learning experience. I then finished it and I wanted to, to hop onto the next learning experience where I can then grow and carry on sharing my passion for birds um, and birding with everybody out there. So yeah, it's, 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 it's been challenging, but you're right. You know, I think I've, I think I've managed to find a way to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, like I said to you, Adam, the main thing is, is I just want to share my, my, my passion for birds and conservation and birding with everybody. I don't want to be some kind of celebrity, really. It's, I just want to, you know, I want to inspire people to pursue this lifestyle. And, um, you know, if people can, if people can relate to my message, then that is absolutely fantastic. It just means the more for birding and the better for birding ultimately. But as a birder, do you think those people that were having the, let me take a thing from the more experienced birders who, who might have criticized you for being a bit of a lister or a, whatever word they want to put there. Do you think that as you've grown beyond your big year, that there's been more acceptance in the birding world from those people of yourself as a birder? I think so. Um, listen, you're right. You're damn right. There were a lot of people uh, who are right. Uh, when I announced I was going to do a big year in late 2013, who outright were skeptical about it. You know, I, I stumbled upon comments and stuff, which were people openly on a public platform, you know, having a job saying, you know, I really doubt this guy's going to do it and stuff like that. And, you know, it was important to look past that. And, um, you know, I think equally, everybody who knows me and has gotten to know me since my big year, I think has, has, has grown to to understand and see how I've grown as a birder. And yeah, I mean, I, I think people, people now look past the fact that I've done a big year. Treat, they know I've done a big year. That's fantastic. Well done, John. They've given me a clap on the back already. And um, that's it. They're not, they're not humming over it. You know, the people who've got to know me now are, are looking at me and, and, and how I bird 
my messages that I'm trying to share with everybody, my skills as a birder as well. I mean, I'm a bird guide. I, I call myself, for lack of a better word, an expert bird guide or a professional bird guide rather. And you know that with that title, that job title comes a certain level of expertise that that is expected of somebody. So I think I think a lot of people who have got to know me since my bed year and who have stayed with me on this journey as I've grown as a bird, as an individual and as a person have uh, have yeah, have have looked past the big year and now know me as John the Birder and not John the Big Year dude. But let me throw the cats among the pigeons a bit because you know what I've noticed in the birding world is that People are happy if you bird the way that they bird. So, for example, if a person's a purist, they will accept you as long as you're a purist. If they're a lister, they will accept you as they almost as long as you're a lister. And I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, I know you do this as a, as as a, as a business in a sense, but at the same time, we bird to actually have fun. Who the hell cares if you don't do it the way that somebody else does it? And I I, want, I often wonder why. People have this idea that it's there's there's a right way to do it. I mean, as, I think as long as you're not harming the birds, as long as you're not going out there and being an absolute idiots on the field and and you know harming nature and birds and that, do it whichever way you want to do it. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely hundred percent. You know, the thing is, Adam is like you say, we do it, we do this because we love it, we're passionate about it. That is the basis of everything we are doing. Whether you are running a podcast like yourself or whether you are running the world's leading bird tour company, the basis out of everything that we are doing birding related, whether it's a business or whether it's a podcast, like I said, or whether it's a flippin' magazine, is the passion for birds and birding. And ultimately, like you said, who the hell cares about the way somebody does it? If somebody comes to me, for example, and they keep a list that doesn't meet the requirements, the official requirements of the official Southern African life list, and they want to add flippin' birds in Argentina onto their Southern African list. Who, who am I, Adam, to tell them that they are wrong? Okay? That is what they want to do. They are passionate about birds. They're passionate about birding. It's their journey. It's not your journey. It's not the rest of the community's journey. And that is what's important. If I have to give any kind of advice to anybody starting out birding, it is your journey focus on your journey your learning experience and the reason why you started bird uh, birding in the first place don't listen to everybody else or anybody else for that matter take advice of course it's important that's an important life lesson but don't let other people's opinions and points of views control the way you want to express yourself and the way you want to pursue this this uh, this lifestyle that we so love the bottom line is is there's naysayers everywhere the amount of people who've who've questioned something that I do in terms of a specific way that I bird. Um, you know, using callback, for example, there's some people who absolutely hate it and will never ever do it in their life. And then there's people who overplay it. And then you get people in the happy medium as well. There will always be difference in points of views and the ways people bird. And there is no correct way. It is our own individual journeys. And I think that's where a lot of people miss, miss the cake here. But the crazy thing is, and let's go, let's, let's touch on that callback. Um, you know how many people I've heard are de- totally against it. Now, now here's the thing: I, I, I understand. Um, don't use it like crazy. Don't harm the birds. I think there's there, there there is ethics around it. But it's crazy how so many of those callback police. Let me use that word: the callback police who are so um, finicky about callback. A lot of them will use callback when it's convenient for them. Yeah, exactly. But I mean. <laughs> I can, I can I can talk about this for flipping minutes, uh, um, for hours. Sorry, 
But uh, the thing is, Adam, is the, um, like you say, it varies from, from person to person. There's no right way to do it. You know, there's going poli- to be police wherever, in, in every aspect of birding, whether it's about identification or whether it's about the color of flipping clothes that you wear. I know people who literally moan at other people when they get encountered in the field because they're wearing bright colored clothing. And it's not just one or two individuals. It's a lot of people. So, you know, now you're talking to youngsters, for example, who aren't exactly going to go out wearing khaki-clad clothing because it's not the end thing. I mean, yeah, sure, it's knacker, and I personally love khakis. I, I have, like, a wardrobe full of khakis. But that's me as a person. If a dude wants to wear a snapback uh, cap and bright orange shirts, um, you know, to go birding, it's his journey. It's his prerogative. Let the dude do it. He's doing it because he loves it. Who are you to tell him otherwise? Of course, like I said, accept criticism or advice. I think rather than criticism, advice, friendly advice. But nobody, you can't, you can't play, but you can't enforce any laws on anybody because the bottom line is, is there's no laws and therefore there can't be law enforcement. Birding is a personal journey. End of story. But but let me ask you. You touched on younger birders now. How, you were part of Youth African Birding at one stage, and all this kind of thing. How accessible do you feel that the world of birding is for the for for younger birders? Um, do you think it's a world that invites them in, or do you think that there's um, possibly be possibly be things that that would hinder them from joining the the world of birding? And why why I bring this up also is let me that there's the one the bigger world of birding, but the other thing is let's be real. If you go to most bird clubs. They struggle to get younger people in, and there's something that's there's there's a disconnect somewhere. And what what are your thoughts on 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 younger birders coming into the world of birding? So it's a question I get asked a lot of the time. Um, and the bottom line is is birding is extremely accessible now more than ever, and increasingly so going forward as we develop technologically and as we develop the birding world. Birding is is through social media, through uh, communication channels, WhatsApp. Telegram, Facebook Messenger, Instagram. People are able to share these, like I've been telling you now, their individual stories. And people can relate to that and they then communicate with one another and connect with one another. And it's so easy to connect with one another on a global scale now that you've got a whole bunch of these youngsters who have interest or sparks in this birding hobby and in wildlife in general, you know, busy connecting with one another over social media and, uh, you know, across communication platforms. And, you know, I, I, so, yeah, I mean, to answer that aspect of the question, it's getting more and more easier and more accommodating for young birders to step into the scene. Now, from when I and a couple of other guys and girls started up Youth Africa Birding in 2015, I think it was, listen, there were a lot of youngsters which we got involved at that stage. And uh, in watching the youth scene grow in literally just, just this past five years, the past two years, I've noticed an even bigger boom in youngsters busy coming on, uh, you know, on board and entering into the birding world. So I definitely think technology and communication platforms and, and, and those two combined are giving people the opportunity to connect, giving youngsters the opportunity to connect across platforms they're familiar with, across platforms that their generation is involved with. And that is what's making birding exciting for them. These youngsters aren't interested when they've got all of this to necessarily, well, some youngsters are, but most youngsters aren't interested in sitting at a bird club where 80% of the bird club, if not 90% of the bird club, 
is people who could essentially be their, their grandparents. And I know that sounds really harsh and I mean it with no disrespect whatsoever, but um, the th that's, that's the truth. They don't, they don't particularly want to go sit and listen to a lecture when there's webinars that they can watch, when they can watch live Instagram uh, uh, sessions, when they can watch stuff on YouTube, when they can order books and get books online or delivered to their doorstep, when they can engage with people in the field rather than in a lecture theater or in an amphitheater for an hour once a month at a bird club meeting. So bird clubs, don't get me wrong, have their purpose and serve their purpose for youngsters. But I do believe that youngsters are connecting on a different level and are moving away from the traditional bird club platform where in the past people were able to connect and meet one another and interact with one another that is being done in a completely different galaxy if i can even say that um at the moment and i think that's 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 what's the scary thing for some sort of like you said earlier traditional birders yeah, and I, and I think there is value in bird clubs. I mean, I think we'd both agree that the, the, the thing is, I think there's so much value that younger birders can can actually um, gain from being part of a bird club. I mean, when I first started birding, I was part of what well, I'm still am part of Bird Life Port Natal. But, you know, there was just some of the older birders, um, they were like some of my, they just helped me grow so much. And I think for the younger birders listening out there, yeah, maybe you know, maybe it's worth trying a couple of these bird clubs and giving giving it a go. I think there's there's experience that you gain from a bird club that, you know, possibly, you know, it's almost like a two-sided a two -sided thing. You know, obviously we can say what we want about the bird clubs, but I think I would encourage youngsters to say there actually is things to be gained from being part of a club. And I think just also in terms of the collective voice in terms of conservation is huge with bird clubs. Definitely. No, definitely. And like I said, Adam, please, listeners, don't get me wrong, please, especially the youngsters. Bird clubs are still extremely beneficial. They still have their place within our birding community. They contribute heavily towards conservation. And what's important for the youngsters to know is that within those bird clubs, you can find a or many role models to assist you, especially if you're just starting out birding, or if you're a beginner, or even if you're an intermediate birder. Hell, even if you consider yourself uh, on the expert type level of birding or the more advanced level of birding, okay, you can still learn I, I can guarantee you, even me, who is a professional bird guide and who's been birding for the better part of now 13, 14 years, I think it is, or something like that, and I have to spend time with members of the bird club, I will learn something. And that's the thing. So you can still learn. It's a learning experience, and it will help you on your journey to become better birder at the end of the day. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you a question because we always ask the one way I do, like who's the person you look up to. But let's let's ask a question. Who are some of the younger birders, up and coming younger birders that you you just you've maybe noticed over social media and maybe people you've met that you just think have got like such a cool future? I know there's going to be for every name you mention, there's going to be ten other ones. But are there any notable um, birders? I mean, we were speaking just before the show about Daniel Engelbrecht, who's doing smashing it at the park in Limpopo. Um, any other young birders that you've noticed on the horizon that just have got such a bright future in terms of birding? Uh, you are putting me on the spot <laughs> because uh, I, would, I would hate to, to almost um, isolate individuals in particular in fear of missing people out. That's the only reason. I would hate to miss out individuals who I have simply overlooked or whose 
names for the life of me because I'm absolutely terrible at names, have simply forgotten in the moment. But I think it's no secret and it's a name that, because you and I spoke about it before the show, is Daniel Engelbrecht. And uh, there's no secret that this dude is, uh, is, is on fire and he's giving an absolute horns. And, um, you know, not just in terms of Limpopo, but in terms of birding in general. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see a youngster of Daniel's caliber coming up into the ranks, into the birding ranks. And, um, you know, that's, that's what makes things both exciting and scary for me as well, because you know, <laughs> we refer to, to these, these lighties coming in here as lighties. And, like, um, I'm no longer a lighty. I'm sitting here in the 25-year-old range. And, um, but it's exciting in that um, it's youngsters who are of an extremely high caliber and essentially, it's a taste of the future to come for birding in South Africa. If anything, seeing youngsters come into the ranks now is showing us and everybody else what is to come. And it's very, very exciting. Um, if I have to mention another dude off the top of my head, uh, it's a chap called Josh Holzweski. Uh, he used to live up here in Joburg. He's now studying um, at Stelly's. And the dude's knowledge is insane. Josh is a good friend of ours and uh, absolutely incredible incredible field skills but his theory knowledge is mind-blowing um and yeah i mean it's we're not just talking about naming scientific names even though he when we last spent time together was learning most of south and central america's hummingbird scientific names as knowledge depth beyond his years really but beyond his years and uh, it's exciting to see that 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 caliber birder that caliber person coming to the birding world um, and ultimately, yeah, I mean, these dudes are going to be the leaders of ornithology going forward. So it's exciting. Um, well, leaders of, in ornithology and leaders in, 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 uh, in avatourism and the guiding industry as well. So either way, whichever side they end up batting for, um, it's a bonus for birds, uh, birding and, and uh, birders in South Africa. What's, what's amazing is, is the, one of the guys who's with us with the birding life, Tyron Doll, he actually made a a profound statement he, he you know when it comes to bird identification and there's birds that we struggle to identify he actually says that joshua is probably one of the best he said joshua's the one of the only guys who's probably never got a he's never got a bird wrong and his identification skills are insane and that brings me just to what you know what amazed me is you know a couple of names that you might not know in case in a guy called zach simpson is one of our birding life ambassadors another guy uh, uh, tristan nordia another guy you know up there yandre Fester. Um, up and up on that side, and, and like I say, I know we we're probably leaving other names out, so forgive us if you're listening and your name is not mentioned. But what is amazing with these these youngsters is is their knowledge. It's like it's it's not like they just you know they're not just listers. They, they their knowledge of birds is flipping insane. And I think you know going forward. I mean, I often think you know you're 25 and the knowledge you have of birds is in that in that range is amazing. But when these guys get to your your age and get beyond, I, I'm I, I'm actually scared to actually think that the knowledge that these guys are going to have because if the knowledge is where it is right now it's insane i don't i mean it's the young birders in our country are so strong at the moment yeah no 100 percent. and like you say it's crazy it's crazy to think of the level of expertise and level of knowledge is actually going to have when they get to their mid-20s uh towards their 30s as well hell when these actually walking around with crutches and stuff one day <laughs> the knowledge they're going to have then but you know then there's going to be three other generations of youngsters who would have come in and we would have probably knocked their socks off in terms of them having this exact same discussion you and I have. And so it's exciting to see birding growing. And I think as birding is growing, 
it's uh, it's causing more growth. But another point to think of, and which which I always you know sp- speak to people about in terms of of when we talk about young birders, is if you take a look at them, at these youngsters, they're not just birders. Like you so rightfully said, they're not listers, okay? But they're also not birders, just birders. Because if you look at it, and if you look at all these youngsters and what they're doing and the interests that they have, birding is probably one of the many sparks that they have. Because they're spending time in the field, their interests are pricked up in reptiles. They are pricked up in botany, perhaps. They are picked up in mammals. So ultimately, they have one sort of central interest, but then they have branches that are continually growing parallel to their growth and development in the birding in their birding lifestyle, their, bird, for the, their passion for birding. And it is forming a generation and future generations of young naturalists rather than young birders. And I think that is such such a, a term, you know, a naturalist dude or dude who absolutely loves anything natural, nature related, okay? These dudes will lift rocks and look for reptiles or they'll go snorkeling and looking for cool fish and nudie branches under the water, uh, you know, in the ocean. So, it's uh, these guys are interested in every facet of nature, and that to me is even more exciting about having young hot hot gun birders busy coming on the onto the scene here. Because I know that we are producing as a country a generation of naturalists who are ultimately going to help share the, the 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 message of nature and the preservation of biodiversity, rather than just focusing on birding and adding new birds to their list. And what's amazing is, I mean, we can make it, a lot of people might put the generalization in place and say, well, all these young birders are just interested in ticks. But the reality is, is that a lot of them, when they get the opportunity to sit with more experienced birders, they they, 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 they spend the time and they almost soak in that knowledge like a sponge. There's a real hunger for them to learn. And I think, you know, talking about the bird club earlier, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, I, th- I think there's... There's misconceptions probably from both sides. There's probably a misconception that the youngsters, if they join the bird club, that the older folk won't like them or whatever. And there's probably also misconceptions from the older folk side. And I think if we can, if the older folks realize that there's younger folk that are actually very keen to learn and the younger folk realize they actually are older folk that are happy to pour into them, I think birding will look very could be very, very positive going forward because there's so much misconception because there's no communication that takes place between the different generations. Yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. And uh, and I have seen that disconnect before. Um, I've seen it in the field. I've seen it on social media. So there is definitely a some kind of disconnect, unfortunately. But I must admit, we shouldn't really um, downplay the fact that there is some kind of connect. I do see a lot of um, older generation birders, if you can, if you can call them that. I wouldn't call them bullies. <laughs> But um, definitely oaks in there, in there, and and oakets in there, middle middle aged. Uh, you know, taking on a leadership role, a, a role, and um, you know, helping educate youngsters. But uh, yeah, I think there can be, I think there's room for more role models uh, for younger the younger generation of birders. Um, you know, a lot of these actually, if you ask them, who's your role model? Who's this? Who's that? No, it's David Attenborough. What's that? Or how great would it? How would how great would it be if we ask? sort of one of these up and coming young birders who their inspiration is and they have to reply with a list of flipping five of South Africa's top uh, Southern Africa's top birders. You know, that that would just be absolutely incredible and it would go to show that uh, you know our 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 generations are busy are able to connect with one another and able to inspire one another because ultimately you're busy passing the baton on to the next generation 
to grow the hobby and to grow the interest and to ultimately um, protect and preserve these birds. So, John, this went totally different to the way we planned it. And for those, there was a script and the script went totally out the window, which was cool. I like these kinds of episodes. But you do run a, com- a company where, along with Tony called Expedition Birding. So just to finish off tonight, can you tell us a little bit about Expedition Birding and what you offer clients? You know, for people who are sitting here, maybe overseas clients, local clients, tell us about your company and what 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 you offer. So the thing is, Adam, is there's a lot of, there's a lot of there's a lot of avatourism companies across the globe nowadays, which is fantastic. And uh, it's just again, it's we've talked about how birding is growing, and this is another example of how birding is growing. And the bottom line is, is is I was involved in the industry for five years, and I then took a step back and I said, you know what, we need to chase our own dream. And Tony and I have a shared dream, and out of that dream came expedition birding. Now we like to consider ourselves as naturalists. We sure as hell aren't any kind of expert, not even in terms of birds, but we are absolutely professional enthusiasts, okay? And we will flip rocks looking for crazy lizards. We will spend hours waiting for the toughest of birds to come out um, to show people who might want to see them. And uh, we just take an overall interest in everything, although birds have a central theme in our company and in our tours as well. And uh, yeah, we run expeditions across the globe. Um, we started up at the beginning of last year. The beginning of this year was when we really started giving it a bit of gas. And uh, unfortunately, we hit a bit of a rocky slope in terms of COVID. I think everybody did. But, you know, we're riding the waves and we're fortunate in the position that we are as a startup company that um, we had a whole bunch of stuff. We didn't have a whole bunch of stuff that, say, these larger avatourism companies had, you know, to worry about. So we were actually fortunate in that regard. But, you know, for people interested in knowing a little bit more about expedition birding, like I said, global birding tours, and we do a lot of local stuff as well, you know, searching for a lot of local scarcities. Um, If people have specific lifers they want to target, we target those as well. Um, Or if you just want to get out into nature and have a good day's birding, we do that as well. Um, What sets us apart from everybody else out there? We like to think of the fact that we look at everything with a wide open uh, wide open sort of point of view. We take into into cognizance everything whilst we're out in the field, and we are driven. We're passionate. We're enthusiastic. And uh, come hell or high water, we do not give up. We try our absolute best. Um, so you know that aside, uh, you know it's exciting to to be on this journey with Tony, who's hands down one of uh, one of the country's leading um, young female birders. I actually feel really bad now that I didn't mention her in my list of, but when I was thinking of younger birders, I was thinking more in their teens. Um, but Tony, for somebody who's now approaching her, her early to mid twenties uh, is hands down an absolutely incredible and one of the leaders in female birding in this country. And she's got incredible skills. And uh, I like to think that between her and I, we are able to give people an experience which they'll never forget, which they'll enjoy, enjoy and they'll remember. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just have good fun. I mean, besides the fact that uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll in, inevitably have to bear with um, my dry sense of humor and copious amounts of flavored milk consumption, um, I, think, I think you're in for a good time if you come with us and uh, you have a good time and you get the birds and you get a quality experience. I mean, what's, what's more? Oh, John, it's been so awesome having a chat to you and I can't wait to come up there and do some birding with you guys finally. I know we've been talking about this since 
Um, I think since Moses was, you know, going up the mountain to get the the tablets, <laughs> we're talking that long about it. And looking forward to do some birding with you soon, bro. And it's been good chatting. No, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Uh, very much looking forward to having you up in Pretoria. Uh, I almost said Joburg there, but now I've got to correct myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely looking forward to having you here. And hopefully not long before we can come down to your neck of the woods as well smash some decent uh, KZN birding as well. But thanks for my side. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show again. And it's always great chatting about birding. Uh, I love the way tonight's conversation went. I think we touched on some seriously interesting stuff. And I hope the listeners enjoy it. And uh, also share with you and the Birding Life podcast with Eric as well. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation as well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.